Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thanks for having me, Joe. You're welcome. You're, you're welcome. Yeah. yeah. Very jovial. A little jovial. You know, now that we're doing this for charity, there's just a different joy to doing this, right? It's a, well, first of all, we're doing it for charity. That's great. Second of all, it's World Series time, man. How can it you not World be jovial during the World Series? That is true. It is, although. Well, we'll talk about this. Um, we are we are recording this on Thursday after uh, games one and two. We're going to do a little preview of game three and leading in. We're going to is this going to get up before game three? Do you no think that but it, it, <laughs> it, it might because we are not responsible for it, right? Like Meadowlark is going to do this, so so because of that, there's a decent chance it will. Because if there, we were doing it, if we no were way. doing it, it would it would go up in early March, and it would be entirely relevant. But uh, yes, there's an actual person named Carl who's now in charge of of putting this online. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take a leap of faith and say yes this will be up before game three of the world series is played so our game three preview that's what you're getting today a game three preview yes uh yes. by the way right now at this moment could not tell you who's pitching don't know anything about <laughs> game three don't know what the lineups are so our game three preview is mostly going to be just us talking about the world series yeah, as that's a concept overall thing but but before we get to game three, which is really what the only pod, the, the Paul podcast is really about the World Series in game three. But before we get to that, we have an emergency. All right. Ooh. And we need I know this is really scary. We need um, some kind of like I don't even think like it's music. I, I think we need like a siren. We need a siren, a blaring <laughs> klaxon that indicates because there are that we all we have a lot of emergencies. We on do the podcast. all the time. They happen yeah. all the time. And we also have entire podcasts that are themselves emergency podcasts. So yes, we need some kind of sound effect, some kind of uh, alarm, alarum uh, that that <laughs> indicates that w either the specific segment we're discussing or the entire podcast is itself an emergency. Yes, that's right. Well, just something, and you know, maybe with a roboty type voice going emergency, emergency. alert, like alert, alert, yes, alert. Yeah. yeah. No, it, I think because. But this one is a real emergency. I mean, like, okay. sometimes we'll say things like, oh, it's an emergency. The Browns are playing this week, which is not an emergency, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it is, frankly, because somebody's going to get hurt and hurt badly if the Browns <laughs> are playing this week, which they are. They're playing the Steelers, by the way. So as we are recording this, I don't believe we know if Baker Mayfield is going to play. We can throw a little Browns uh, check-in on the Cleveland Browns here. So wait, I don't before, think so just to be clear, before we get to the emergency, we're put we're pushing it's not enough of an emergency to get right into it. Before we get to the emergency, we're going to do a Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I think before okay. we get to the emergency. You know what this is like? This is like on the local news where they're like, "Is your alarm system killing you?" Right. You know, check in at 6, right? So this is it's like a tease. We have a we have a major emergency right. that is earth-shattering. And we'll tell you all about it after we do this is, point. Is, the air, the is the air in your house going to kill you? We'll be back with that in a second. But first, <laughs> but local, first. Uh, we, the local strip mall opened. And here's the video of the ribbon cutting. 
<laughs> it's always my favorite. Wait till the end of the broadcast to find out if your car is literally going to go out of control. We, when, I was at, when I was at Saturday Night Live, someone wrote a sketch, I forget who, I wish I remembered, that was a parody of that local news uh, <laughs> thing. And they, it, was a, it was there was a wonderful joke in it. And the joke was the anchor. I think it was Jerry Seinfeld was the host. And the first thing was like, you know, welcome to News, news Action News 7. And the first joke was, uh, our top story tonight, the president is dead. But president of what? Find out later. <laughs> that, that is a great the perfect, joke. The perfect, that is a great perfect joke. distillation of that local news thing. <laughs> Let's check in. All right, so very quickly with the Cleveland Browns, because the Browns, you know, I mean, this has been, this was such a promising year. Mm -hmm. And then everybody got hurt. Like everybody, literally every single person, uh, not just on the Browns, but in all of Cleveland got hurt. Literally every human being in Cleveland got hurt. And then yet they somehow won the game against Denver a couple of weeks ago, uh, thanks to a guy named uh, Dearnest Johnson, who is like, I don't know, came out, he was, he was, I mean, this is absolutely true. He was like on a fishing boat uh, because he couldn't get a job. He tried out and he couldn't get a job. And so he was working with a friend on a fishing boat. And then he went to play for that, remember that Alliance of American Football thing that sure. they, that briefly was on for like two seconds. He played in that and the Browns were like, yeah, hey, that guy might be good. And then they brought him on and kept him. And of course, nobody was ever going to hear from him because the Browns have two of the best running backs in the NFL. And then both those running backs got hurt, and he came in there, and the guy was Jim Brown. It was yeah. the craziest thing. Yeah, and Case Keenum showed up for the like. <laughs> I, it's like Keenum. one of those wonderful like that guy's still in the league, and he like leads the Browns to a key victory over the Broncos. Totally so, wild. Obviously, they can't win. Keep winning with uh, Dearness Johnson and, and Case Keenum, but uh, there is a chance. So, 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 what's going on in Cleveland is um, <laughs> Baker Mayfield has a torn labrum Correct. in his left shoulder, right? right? Right. Now, I don't know that much about sports or football or health or anything, but it seems to me that's enough that you don't play, right? Like, I think if you have a torn labrum, I mean, it's like, you know, it reminds me of like one of my favorite scenes of Spinal Tap. It's a very small scene, but there's a scene at the end after the guy leaves, you know, they're trying to do this crazy jazz thing and so he goes to the guy who plays the uh the keyboard and he says to him like hey can you do like while you're doing the thing you're doing can you also do the baseline that he used to do and the guy's like oh yeah i've got two hands and i I think (laughs) i think about that all the time and that's like like literally what baker mayfield's like oh i've got my my good arm is still good like yeah you know but I don't think you should be out there with a torn labrum. Am I wrong? I think that in general, as an athlete, if you have a torn anything, <laughs> you can't play. Like if, right. if any part of your body is torn. Right. Torn. You yeah. can yeah, that adjective <laughs> nullifies the ability to perform at a at the professional level, right? Yeah. Like a, if I mean maybe like what like a torn earlobe, maybe <laughs> you're okay, right? A torn like torn. a a torn no. septum, maybe oh, no. No? no torn septum. You're not playing. Um, I mean, no, no. I mean, torn uh, earlobe, maybe. Yeah, you bandage I mean, that thing up and you get out there and you and you, <laughs> you sling the ball around. Some, 
that's, but that's some sort of weird Mr. Pink thing. Like, like I, dude, I, that would really be gross to play with a torn uh, earlobe. Like the, I feel like there's a hierarchy, right? There's a, there's strains. Strain. You, you can get through a strain, right. and if it's or, the right kind of strain, or a sprain, a both sprain, a strain or a sprain. sprain. Yeah. Uh, you can get through a bruise, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah, maybe yeah. the lowest is a bruise. Then there's a... Right. What is the word they use that goes beyond... A contusion. Oh, contusion can, is harder than a bruise, but you yes. still... You can be in there with a contusion. Okay, so I if think. you're bruised, you're you're okay. Contusion, you're probable. Contusion, <laughs> you're probable-ish. Probable, probable questionable. questionable. Yeah, yeah. A strain... What's worse, a strain or a sprain? I think a sprain is worse than a strain. Okay, so a, a strain, you're questionable. A sprain right. depends on, it's a high ankle sprain, a low ankle sprain, yeah, whatever, yeah. knee sprain, a sprained ligament. You're Now you're now it's really a coin flip at Now best. it's a coin flip, yeah, at best, but that's right. But if, if something is torn, anything, if anything <laughs> is torn, you're not supposed to be playing whatever the sport no, is that you no, play. No, that's basically when, when, when a piece of your body tears like that word <laughs> yeah it's a thing your body isn't supposed to do like no no part of your body is ever supposed to tear no you're not you don't want it to tear you know and, th- and the thing that amazes me about uh, these athletes and it, it amazes me and also frightens me i mean like somebody will be out there with bruised ribs right we've already determined that bruise is Bruising the lowest is okay. thing yep right but you're out there with a bruised ribs like what i would be in bed and not leave the room if I had bruised ribs. Yeah, forget it, man. No, you're you're lying. You're lying in bed and watching Squid Game. That's all exactly. <laughs> Just watching. Well, that that's so. That's there's also we forgot we forgot cracked and Ooh, cracked. we forgot, we forgot um, yeah cracked and broken. Obviously, broken. Yeah. If you have a broken like Rob Gronkowski isn't playing because he has a broken. He has like three, I think, cracked ribs and one Oof. broken rib. Yeah. Yeah. And and I feel like these dudes are so macho that if they have a cracked rib, they want to play. But if they right. have a broken rib, like <laughs> Drew Brees last year had broken ribs, right? Like you can't play through bro. If it's torn or broken, that it's like it's like that that implies like what I imagine with torn is like imagine like your arm is perforated, right? And you just and someone just ripped it ripped it off that's like, right it's like like a, like the top page of a of a pad of paper you just like ripped it yeah. off that is torn that's what torn means like yeah that, no, pe- that piece of paper is no longer part of the pad that's right so, so a torn labrum means that his his shoulder is only barely connected to his body at this point it's connected because it's like ne- still the bone, it's still yeah. next to it it's like the it's <laughs> Whatever, the, it's like it's it's being held together by this outer layer of skin, essentially. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that to me is like no, you don't play. Like that's Correct. that's like that shouldn't even be a question. I mean, like that should be like you don't like you don't leave the house. You sit home and watch Squid Game. Like that is you know, and so but he is he is a he is what we like to call in the game. A gamer. That's what he is. He's a gamer, <laughs> and uh, and he wants to play. And I've not actually heard. I mean, maybe by now we actually know whether he's going to play or not. But um, I, he should not play. I mean, of course I want him to play. Of course I want. I mean, I love. They're playing the Steelers, so I'm like in my mind, like if I if I'm my 16 year old version of myself, I'm like get in there and play. And sure. you know, come on, are you kidding me? But my the 54 year old version of myself is like, dude, take. 
take care of yourself, Come on, man. man. <laughs> and and so as I understand it, there's a question of whether he has surgery that ends his season or, That's or right. doesn't, right? So so my guess is that he's not going to have this surgery. He's right. going to, whether it's this week or in future weeks, he's going to try to play through this. And there will be a moment, and he'll like go out there when he plays, and he'll complete a bunch of passes, and people will be like, man, what a gutsy guy. Right. And then there will be a moment where he, there's a play-action pass, and the pocket breaks down, and you know someone, uh, TJ Watt, is like chasing <laughs> after him, and he lets the ball go, and TJ Watt tackles him by hit by essentially hitting that shoulder yes or or hitting his right shoulder and having him fall on his fall left shoulder on, which would be even worse yeah, yeah. and yeah. the howl of pain that emits from his mouth will be heard throughout the entire midwestern <laughs> united states it, would, it will be the princess bride scream yeah right? exactly. like that's what, people that's crows what crows in some remote part of ohio will suddenly fly up out of a tree like uh, the, the it is a it is absurd. It's fundamentally absurd. However, the problem, of course, as you alluded to, this year started with such promise. Yes, they they are four and three. They are a, and, a still. That's a, right. They're a they're, playoff contending. They're a game team. back. They're a game back. Yeah, they're game behind the Bengals. By the way, we 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 can go into that yeah. later. But that's yeah. that, that's that's let's save that for a new segment called "The Entire World Is Upside Down." <laughs> but the the uh, so. The damage that could be done to him—it's oh one of the—it's one—it's you know what it's like. It's like when there's there's a moment in like April or May of every baseball season when a star pitcher uh, suddenly his fastball instead of being ninety seven is like ninety two, right? And he leaves the game early, and what you hear is that he has tightness in his forearm or something. Yes, tightness. And yes, everybody knows what that means. Everybody knows that he needs Tommy John surgery. Right. And then what you hear is he's going to skip a start and he's slowly building up strength and he's doing exercises and he's rehabbing it and this and that or whatever. Yes. And then he comes back three weeks later and he throws again and he looks okay. But then again, his fastball velocity dips. And then somewhere around July or August, it's like we're shutting him down. He's having Tommy John surgery. And so what has happened <laughs> Is you know Tommy John surgery takes what like fifteen months roughly or yeah, something like that yeah. fifteen to eighteen months to get fully back up and running, and so what happens now is you played badly for four months, right? Then you had the surgery, and now you're out for the rest of this year and also all of next year. Whereas yeah. if you had had the surgery in April, you would have missed this whole year, and you'd be back around the All Star break of next year, right? And you would be. And you wouldn't have this problem anymore. So this, it, you can't help but feel like the same thing is going on here, where it's like, hey man, have the surgery, forfeit the rest of this season. Your window, the window for this team has has basically one more year in it, probably at least. At least. Yeah. So like, have the surgery now and come back for training camp next year. And it's just so hard for these guys. They're competition monsters. They're driven beyond the normal boundaries of human of drive. And so they never want to. They never want to uh, sit out. They never want to get the surgery and end their season. But if they don't, they're, you're running the risk of this season going haywire, and also next season going haywire because you're not back until December, and then it's too late. Well, there's there there are a few elements of this thing. One, from what I understand, again, not not being. Uh, I don't know if you know this. I'm not a doctor. I did know that. Um, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, 
I don't think this gets better without surgery. So, so it's really only putting off surgery. Right. I don't. I mean, at the end of the day, he will have surgery, whether or not he makes it through the year. So, of course, that pushes off all of next year, regardless of whenever he decides to do it. The second thing is, from what I understand, like sometimes you'll hear about injuries where they will say, "Well, look, it's very painful." But it can't get worse. Like you know, how you, you, like sometimes they'll say that. Yeah. They'll be like, "Oh yeah, look, he can't hurt himself any more than he already has hurt himself." Like from a from a from a fundamental body you know perspective, but it's going to be very painful. But I think this can get worse. Like I think it's torn. I don't think it's completely torn, and I think it can become completely torn mm-hmm. if he keeps playing, which is obviously very very dangerous. But the third element to this thing is. I don't know that the Browns have made a complete commitment to Baker Mayfield going forward, right? right? Like I think that I think that that this was the year that they really were going to decide is this the guy for us? And I, you know, I I think they have to be leaning toward yes. I mean, certainly what he's done the last year and a half has been has been great. But, you know, suddenly he's out and and you know, I mean, his future is kind of on the line. I mean, I get it. You know, how many years do these guys get? Right? They don't get much time in the NFL. It's not – in baseball, if you lose 15 months, you can still come back and be Justin Verlander, right? But if, in football, you lose 15 months. That might have been your career, that's, your whole that's career. That's 12% of your career or something. Yeah. It's a, or, yeah. and, and especially when you're talking about a guy whose ceiling is obviously high, but his right. floor is fairly low. And yeah. so there is a – kind of GM out there who says who sees a sort of maybe a Justin Herbert type prospect and the team is you know the team ends up you know five and 12 and they say like you know what like let's cut bait this guy's floor is too low and we think that this Justin Herbert type guy is too good to pass up and so we're moving on and then suddenly Justin Herbert Justin Herbert too, whoever this imaginary person is, is the quarterback in Cleveland and Baker Mayfield's out on the open market. And the best team that you can sign with is the Vikings or something. And you're, and you're backing up Kirk cousins for a year or whatever. And like everything just goes sideways. Like there, there are plenty of stories, obviously of quarterbacks who could have been, you know, except for a couple bad breaks here and there who could have had much better, longer careers. And it just never, there was never the right job with the right team at the right time with the right coach and the right franchise. And so they, they, this is a year where the team in first place in your division is the Bengals. Again, push pause on that because we have to do a new segment called the whole world's upside down. But look at the Chiefs, the team everybody thought was going to run away with the AFC. The Chiefs yeah. are garbage right now. The right. Patriots are garbage right now. They, you've got basically in the AFC, you've got the Bills. we pretty sure the Bills are really good. The Chargers seem like they're good, but also they're still the but Chargers. The and who the hell knows? Pounded them, yeah. The I mean, Ravens pounded them, and then them. the and then the and then the Ravens got pounded by the Bengals. <laughs> by the Bengals, so because the world is upside down. If you're the four and three Browns with a great defensive line and a and a really good roster up and down the roster, like you are probably thinking like, hey, we could win this thing this year. Oh, if, yeah. Like if you can oh, play yeah. through this, if our quarterback can play through this and be decent, if our running backs get healthy, like this is an open year. This is not a year where you, it's very easy to imagine an AFC championship game that's Bills Browns and then you and then it's a coin flip. So I like this if if you're gonna try 
to um, defy logic and biology and medical advice and play through a torn labrum in your non-throwing shoulder, <laughs> this is the year to do it. So yeah. I kind of think he's going to try. I think he's going to try. I'm looking right now at the at the, the most recent story, and it is that all signs pointing to him starting. And it's against the Steelers, too. Right. Which is, you know, of course, the most important thing in the world is to beat the Steelers. Um, but also the game, much the most likely game that he will have his shoulder torn off his body. Correct. Like that's that TJ Watt will TJ Watt will 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 walk up to him, and he will gently tear the perforated shoulder <laughs> apart from his body, and he'll take his left arm home as a trophy, and it will end not just this season but next season too. Yeah, that, that is a, that is such a likely scenario. Oh, absolutely. All right, well, that's good. But now, did I mention there was an emergency? Well, wait, b- very briefly, before we get to this emergency, the whole world is upside down. The whole Let's world is upside down. Let's just talk about this for a second. Yes. So the, yes. the, the Patriots uh, pretty much stink, although there are some good, there are some signs, like Mac Jones of all of the rookie quarterbacks this year, not that it was an incredible crop. He's playing fairly well for a rookie. I think, like, he's, I think he's good. I think he's I, I good. I really think he's good. He's, did he's, I mention this to you? I, so I did... Uh, we met at the Field of Dreams uh, game, and mm-hmm. I actually did um, some interviews for the documentary that Fox did for that game. Right. And when I went there, uh, you know, the, you, you had to get uh, COVID tested. Um, and I get COVID tested, you know, by this very nice guy in St. Louis. And the guy goes, hey, you know, Mac Jones? And I'm like, well, I don't know Mac Jones, but yeah, I, I know. <laughs> yeah. I know of him. I'm his future father-in-law. So, mm. so he was telling me these amazing Mac Jones stories, and you've ever seen Mac Jones's uh, girlfriend? I mean, she's she's like, it, it's you know, you I know what a f- proud father looks like, right? You know, sure. like my father, my daughter is pretty much perfect. She's like, you know, she's brilliant and she's beautiful and she's you know, it's everything you want from mm-hmm. from this. So, so he talked about his daughter, but then he talked about Mac Jones, and he told me this great story that Mac Jones basically at one point was going to be maybe the second pick in the draft. Like there were, they were getting yeah. real signs that he was going to be the second pick in the draft. And whoever his agent is was in the room with him and uh, on draft day, they were all on, you know, on draft day. And, and uh, this guy was there and Mac Jones was there and this, this agent was in there and, and they were all talking and it was really jovial, boom, boom, boom. And then the agent gets a call and he goes, oh, excuse me. And he leaves. And they never see him again because he was not the second pick in the draft. It was his other quarterback that got to be the it second. Trey was, Lance or whatever. Trey, right? yeah, yeah, it was yeah. his other quarterback. And he never came back. I'm like, it was like a total like Jerry Maguire moment, which I just thought so awesome. Anyway, oh, but brother. I think Mac Jones is is really, really good. Yeah. So he so there are some signs that, that there's a bright future uh, for that Maybe. team. They, yeah. Who knows? It's at least possible. Um, but they, the team isn't very good, and the no. Ravens don't appear to be very good or at least seem to have some, some real problems. Some weeks they look great. Some weeks they yeah. look great, some weeks they don't. The Chargers have that maybe the highest ceiling of any team in the AFC. I, because but you know who's leading that West is the Raiders. The Raiders are leading the West with their with their psycho coach, and I mean it's like what the heck is going on their there? Former coach, yeah, and yeah, then, I was gonna say, and then you coach. and then you have and then you have the Bengals and Joe Burrow, who right. everybody everybody forgets this, but like they were playing really well before he got hurt last year yeah and it was like he's really good that guy so good and jamar 
Chase. Yeah, Jamar Chase pulled the greatest uh, rope-a-dope of all time, which was, I'm going to drop every pass in the preseason and make you all doubt me. It's like he was... It's You know what it is? It's like um, the way that Paul Newman and Tom Cruise play pool in the color of money where they, oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. they enter the tournament and they deliberately play badly so the odds go way up on them and then they come back and win that's what jamar chase did jamar chase is like running the greatest scam of all time which is what? i'm gonna i'm gonna make it seem like i'm i'm a bust and then i'm gonna just run rough shot over the entire league <laughs> i'm literally gonna be the best receiver in yeah. the nfl immediately he's yeah. on pace for like 2800 yards receiving or something <laughs> So, but the point is, is like what it is for the first time, truly for the first time, I think it's in the, since the Patriots dynasty started, it is very, oh, and and then of course there's the Steelers who stink. The Steelers stink. They're not good. Ben Roethlisberger's deepest throw downfield to this point is two yards behind the line (laughs) of scrimmage. And so you you really do feel for the first time, and uh, since the Patriots dynasty started, and then was and then the Chiefs dynasty began, but kind of petered out. Who comes out of the AFC this year? I defy you to tell me who comes out of the AFC no, this I, year. No, I I really truly do believe the Buffalo Bills are the best team. Yeah, I really. Do. I think they're the best team in the NFL. But but well, but you want to talk about the world being upside down? What about that Arizona team? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess they're playing tonight against the Packers. You don't trust them, beat. though. This is like the fifteen and one Vikings, or the, you know what I mean, or the or the Falcons, or whatever. Like, I don't, I don't trust those Cardinals. I don't trust them, but how could you not trust anything? I mean, like at this point, I mean, the world's upside down. I mean, who knows? It's Green Bay, guys. Arizona, and Dallas are the three best teams in the NFC. It appears, and Tampa, and Tampa, yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. but like that. So there's the and to some extent, you're like, okay, the world is less upside down in the NFC because you. You kind of expect Green Bay and Tampa to be good. Some people were saying, oh, Tampa's going to go undefeated this year, which is like anytime anybody says a team is going to go undefeated, <laughs> it's complete bunk. It's over. But and, but but I but Green Bay looked so bad in week one, and, and they had the whole weird Aaron Rodgers offseason thing. It's like, I don't know that we bought that. The yeah. Cowboys are the Cowboys are kind of good. Cowboys are good. It's disappointing. You never Very it's always a bad it's always a bad <laughs> year when the Cowboys are legitimately good. Uh, but the but the AFC at least well maybe the whole world isn't upside down but the AFC and the entire AFC, AFC is, is upside completely down. upside down yeah. and in a fun super fun way I gotta say yeah it's like I mean this is, I'm loving that Bengals team this is what you want out of football more than any sport it is uh, the sport that provides like where the hell did this team come from storylines like it's right. much more than baseball much more than basketball there's always two or three teams where you're like oh my god that team is so good. And it like as far back as that is the greatest show on turf Rams, where it's like teams can go from five and eleven to thirteen yeah. and three, or well, I guess fourteen the, and the three Eagles, now. When the Eagles did that a couple of years ago, yeah, you know, and I mean, it's like I don't know if it was quite that bad at the beginning, but but yeah, I mean, it's it's super fun, and I just like seeing new blood. I mean, that's sort of that's sort of the disappointing part of baseball this year has been like kind of it. It all felt done already like yeah. we'd already we'd already walked all of these you know the i think in the end of the day we we got houston and and atlanta and whatever that is and you know it's kind of <laughs> no because i mean like i don't dislike atlanta but but there's a lot to dislike about them and houston obviously nobody likes houston i think houston dodgers 
sort of redo of 2017 might have been kind of fun. But other than that, all the teams were like played out. Like there was even Tampa Bay, who was, I think, the most fun team in the in in the playoffs. Even they've been a little bit played out. I was like, we've we've seen all like it would be nice for like suddenly like hey, the Cincinnati Reds are are, you know, going for the World Series or something. It yeah. Just, it felt a little bit old. But before we get to the World Series, before we get to that. We have an emergency. Emergency. Yeah. I told you there's an emergency. It is a major, major emergency. And uh here's the deal. Paul Sullivan, a longtime uh writer for the Chicago Tribune, is reporting, and I quote. Tony Larusa, 77, is set to return as Chicago White Sox manager in 2022. We're making plans, talking about next year, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Sure. This yeah. is an emergency. It's an emergency. Well, a- it was an emergency when they hired him the first time. This feels less like an emergency and more like a sad resignation. <laughs> Like a sort of want want like it's it's, a, it's not it's not a it's si- just a sad it's not a blaring it's not a... siren it's not a okay. like yeah, the plane yeah. the the spaceship is gonna crash into Earth it's more of like a sad trombone or a sad tuba sound <laughs> because once again not that it needs to be said again but we'll say it again such a fun team the yes. players on that team are so great and so fun and so exciting. And you would hope next year they'll be healthier because they were really hit hard very early. Aloy Jimenez went out for months and months and months. So you get this incredibly exciting, young, hip roster of dudes. And then you just get this like just homunculus, this just sad old homunculus, just like with like weird plastic surgery face. And like, <laughs> like he's, I feel like he's Botoxing himself to make himself look younger, which is even sadder. And here we go again. All right, great. It's, and and it's, they're going to, by the way, they'll win that division again because. Yeah, they'll win it. They're the best team of that division. Although watch out for the Tigers, by the way, that, that Tigers team is really interesting to me. Interesting. Um, but it is like, it's, it's your uncle Tony at, at Thanksgiving, you know, the kids are playing in, in the backyard and he's sitting there talking about how terrible things are in the world. I mean, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't, oh, it just feels What wrong. are the chances right now that without any contact uh, involved, Tony LaRusa has a torn labrum? <laughs> probably like, I think you could probably get six to five odds that without doing any, just like moving around his house and like just, moving, yeah, just lifting yeah. a coffee cup or something. Tony <laughs> Lurza. right hand, he still tears his <laughs> left labrum somehow, twisting it somehow. Uh, oh, I God. just don't. Okay, you know, true, true or false? True or false? Okay. You put Alex Cora as the manager of the White Sox, they win. They win the AL and maybe the World Series. <sighs> Boy, that's this is where it gets so. This is like something that we've talked about philosophy. How much of a difference does a manager make, right? Like we get to that philo- philosophical question. You know, I I don't think Tony Russo did a good job. I really don't. And I think somebody else could have come in and 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 done a better job. But I don't know that that leads to. I mean, you know, that team, the way that team was, considering the injuries and everything else, they're not as good as Houston. I don't think they're. You know, I think Houston's got a better lineup. I just, I just. You know, maybe they could have matched up a little bit better pitching, but um, I don't know. Maybe don't not. Know. But look, I think Alex Cora is as good as it gets. I mean, I'll. Th- this is not by any means scientific data, but I believe the White Sox were six games under their Pythagorean prediction. Yeah. 
and the Red Sox were like 11 games above their oh. preseason projection. They, I right. think that I believe the Vegas over under on Red Sox wins this year was 80 and a half, and they won 92 games, and then they yeah. beat the Yankees, and then they beat the Rays. And he held that pitching staff together. Oh, it was incredible. With, he did an with spit, job. spit and, and duct tape. And yeah. so I, of course, who knows? Maybe, maybe, uh, no, maybe nobody makes a difference. I think you're right. I think Houston was better. I think Tampa Bay was better. That's the, true. They, like yeah. certainly, there's no guarantee. But it is wild to me that in a in a game with so much data, where you are, you can win multiple games in the margins in the tiny little margins of like analyzing how to put a team together who to play when how to manage the team everything else it is truly wild to me that you install a guy with zero of those abilities well, it, what's like, so you know? what's so interesting to me about tony la Russa, if, if you want to go into it is so I, I you and i have talked about this theory and and maybe it's something that uh, i'll be writing a little bit more about as we go forward that in baseball, baseball's evolution has has really come without many or if any really rule changes. So like everybody talks about, oh, football's always changing its rules and basketball is changing the way the game is officiated or changing, you know, this, that, and the other. But when they change the rules, they are actually making the game more like it's always been. It's like they're making adjustments to the game because if football had not changed any of its rules, the game would be unrecognizable. Right. Like literally unrecognizable. And now it looks like it feels they've done an, an amazing job. And, you know, for, for a league that is so bad at so many things, one thing they've been amazing at is on the field play, making that look like cohesive mm-hmm. so that you feel from 1985 to now yeah, the game is different, but it's but it's moved in a way that you can fully understand. Baseball, meanwhile, moves away from all these things that we all love <laughs> because they don't they don't make rule changes to keep those things in the game, right? So it's like, hey, we love having a starting pitcher that matters, and and you know, there's the narrative of how can that pitcher handle this lineup, and it's like, wah wah, no, we're taking that away. No more starting pitchers. We don't care about starting pitchers. Three innings at most in, in the playoffs for these guys, and then uh, you know, with with rare rare exceptions, and uh, and then we're gonna just throw a parade of pitchers out there, so the story changes every five minutes. Uh, same thing with with uh, with you know putting balls in play. Wait, same thing with you know the shift. Same thing with the pace of play. Like all of these things. Okay, Tony Larusa is a great example of that in this way. When Tony Larusa took over as manager of the Chicago White Sox as a super young guy. He was the analytical manager. Yeah. You know, yes. it's crazy. He was the guy. He was the, the vanguard. Yeah. 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 He was using the computer and using all sorts of advanced stats, whatever advanced stats, you know, back then it was like slugging percentage, but still like whatever advanced stats they were using, that guy was the vanguard of that. Mm-hmm. And, and you go 20 years later and he's the grumpy old man who's yelling about stats. Yep. And it's that to me is baseball. That's like that's what has happened to baseball. It's like by standing still, you you totally everything changes all around you. And and yeah, now I mean, the White Sox just go into the season with a to me a marked disadvantage that they might overcome because they're so talented and they're so good and all of that, but it is a disadvantage anyway. Yeah, and then there's then there's the the second layer of this which is when your front office owner GM whatever 
are the kind of people who choose to install Tony La Russa yes. and also rehire him. Yes. What does that mean for what they do in the off season to make their team better? Like they obviously have some weaknesses at some positions. They've got some, they've got some holes. They're not they're, as, as young and exciting as the team is. It's not nearly as young as it was for obvious right. reasons. A couple of years ago, he's got, you know, Jose Abreu isn't getting any younger. And, nope. and so you like, how do you have faith if you're a White Sox fan that your team is going to go out and plug the right holes with the right people? Well, I don't think you do have faith in that because especially because another thing about having Tony La Russa as your manager is everything has to be short term. I mean, you're, you're not worried about three years from now. Right. Tony La Russa is, you know, I mean, he, he might not leave, but but I mean, you're not expecting him to be the manager. So you're like, Tony, what can I do to help you next year? Right. right. Everything so there, is built. There, there's a, a very good chance that they trade some young guys or prospects for 36 year old veterans <laughs> who are who can, who may who are overpaid and can maybe plug a hole for a year and then right and then disappear. Which which doesn't work unless you're the San Francisco Giants, where apparently it does work. Apparently, the Giants. if you just get every every 38 year old Evan Longoria who's out there and magically win 107 games, <laughs> that was incredible. I would have liked that Giant. I mean, I know you you know you're you you were not in love with that Giants team because they just because they made no sense to you. I think is the main reason. Yeah, why. they like, defied just... logic in a way that I found offensive. <laughs> <laughs> but I did enjoy that team. Um, all right, let's talk some World Series. All right, so we are in a moment of time when the series is tied up, one all. Mm-hmm. The uh, Atlanta won uh, a, I think we could call it a tedious game one. Would you say it was a tedious game one? I think both games have been pretty tedious, which yeah, is not it's bad. not what you want when... Look, Atlanta-Houston is a perfect World Series if you live... South of Virginia, <laughs> right, nor- north right. of Miami, <laughs> right. and east of, uh, call it well, Santa he- Fe. He- yeah, exactly, yeah, <laughs> east of Santa Fe, uh, and and south of St. Louis. Uh, in That's the- right. So for those for those folks, I mean, there's a map that was released where it's like who you know favorite team by region. The the Braves have the entire Southeast the to themselves, south. like the entire and, South, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and then obviously Houston has a good chunk of uh, of you know Texas and New Orleans and Mississippi and places like that. So yes. there's a lot of the country that is that is this is Red Sox Yankees for them, right, um, right. But for the rest of us, what we see is the team that banged on the trash cans and uh, and annoyingly points to their watch and says, it's my time when they hit a home run in game one of a series versus a team whose mascot is questionable at best and offensive at worst. And, uh, and, and does it does, a and does that the, is definitely offensive. I mean, yeah, it is a, a true, a true horror. And now, by the way, <laughs> going into game three, we've got three straight games of that oh. for three and a half hours every night. So, it's already hard to find a rooting interest in the series. The thing that makes any World Series exciting and fun, regardless of the teams and your rooting interest in them going in, is if the games themselves are scintillating and dramatic. And so far, we've had two duds, just two, two duds. very I mean, like just, just workmanlike baseball games. You know, four or five run margins, not not a lot of drama, no late inning drama at all. No, well, I mean, game one, and, and I don't think either one have been played that well either. I mean, there have been moments. But both games have had uh, defensive miscues play a big role in the game. Um, game one uh, was four hours and ten minutes or whatever it mm-hmm. was. I mean, it was it was really tedious. for a nine inning but, game. 
for a nine inning game that was six two. Like you cannot have, you know. I know people are like, oh, I'm tired of hearing about time, pace of play, whatever. You cannot have a four hour and seven minute game that is nine innings and it's six two. You yeah. just can't. You cannot give me that little action in that much time. You just can't do it. And then game two was, you know, I mean, Houston, Houston can really hit, and so it was kind of fun to watch them really plug away and hit the way they did, but it wasn't close. It was over in the third inning. It was, you know, it was, it's the same thing as game one. It was, it was at least played at a significantly snappier pace, but even that it was three hours and 15 minutes, yeah. which is, you know, but I think what was really fun was leading into game one, they decided to bring out uh, our favorite, our second favorite commissioner, <laughs> Rob Manfred, <laughs> who, by the way, applied to be commissioner of the podcast. You know that, right? He did. I, mean, yes. I don't. I don't know what the committee was thinking when they went with Roger Goodell. It was it. What was the strength? They were what thinking the that our only other option is Rob Manfred, and you can't have that. <laughs> so I guess we're stuck with Goodell. Uh, Rob Manfred. So I know what you're talking about, and this this was one of the most. Uh, incredible performances by a, by a league commissioner I've <laughs> ever, ever seen. So he's ever. leading into game one of the World yes. Series. So he's inter- so he's interviewed about a number of things, including whether the Braves mascot and tomahawk chop are are offensive or racist, right? And yes. so he first he dodges the question. He says like, "Hey, look, we've got two great teams, and we're all it's going to be great. We're going to be great." And they asked him again, and he was like, "I'm Which looking." Which should have stuck with, by the way. Right, and then he was like, "Look, I, I'm it. looking." They asked him again. He was like, "Oh, I'm looking forward to the World Series. It's going to be great." Blah blah blah. <laughs> but they don't let him off the hook, and so then, um, so then they 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 really press him, and they say like, "Look, the Guardians, the 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 Cleveland franchise has changed its name to the Guardians. Like, why? What about the Atlanta name?" The Atlanta mascot on their jerseys is a tomahawk. They do yes. the chop, blah, 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 blah. So here's what he says. I'm going to read it verbatim because it's really yes. important that everybody hear this verbatim if it's you haven't so heard special. it already. Quote, it's important to understand that we have 30 markets around the country. They aren't all the same. The Braves have done a phenomenal job with the Native American community. <laughs> the Native American community in that region is wholly supportive of the Braves program, including the chop. For me, that's kind of the end of the story. In that market, we're taking into account the Native American community. Now, I'm reading from the Washington Post, by the way. Pushed further about whether local tribes should be the only ones whose opinions matter in a sport that has played nationwide, Manfred said, quote, we don't market ourselves on a nationwide basis. <laughs> Ours is an everyday game. You've got to sell tickets every single day to the fans in that market, and there are all sorts of differences between the regions in terms of how the teams are marketed. I don't know how every Native American group around the country feels. I'm 100% certain that the Braves understand what the Native American community in their area believes, and they have acted in keeping with that. So a couple things to say about this. Number one. Oh, many things. Ma- yeah. Many things. A cu- by a couple, I mean 700. <laughs> so for the commissioner of baseball interviewed before game one of the World Series to utter the words, we don't market ourselves on a nationwide basis. It's one of the most incredible things that any commissioner has ever said. It is literally what he is doing at that moment is marketing the game on a nationwide basis. It is the World Series. It's on Fox. It's the premier event. It's the culmination. It's the Super Bowl of baseball. That's right. And he is literally stating, yeah, we're not really into nationwide marketing. How do, like what hap- how do you how do you utter those words without the logical inconsistency of that statement 
How did his brain not <laughs> rupture and split into two parallel dimensions because of the contradiction in logic of what he is saying and the situation in which he's saying it? I truly don't understand that. It is a wild, yeah. wild thing for him to say. Astonishing. And you know, you and I had this conversation already on, on, on text. Did he have that prepared? Like, did, did, like, at some point, somebody goes up to Rob Manfred and says, hey, listen, you're probably going to get asked about the Braves, <laughs> yeah. the whole logo. I mean, they're in the World Series. People are going to hear the chops. Let's just, let's ask just you run about through them. some ways, potential <laughs> ways we can address this. You know, uh, what do you think? And he's like, "All right, well, listen, I could say, um, you know, we have two great teams uh, playing in this thing, and I'm focused on that." And the guy goes, "Great, that's great." That's great. Now there's a chance they'll have a follow up. Mm. The chance that they might that they might come back at you. What would you say then? He's like, "You think I need to say something else?" He's like, "They might. They might push you." And he goes, "What do you think about me saying that uh, we're not a nationwide game? Do you think? <laughs> how do you how do you think that'll play?" And I mean, did somebody just go? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Okay. That's good. A lot, a lot of good. Look, there's no bad ideas in brainstorming. Let's just keep, let's keep talking. And, and then at some point, he was like, you know what? I'm just going to wing it. I, like, I, I feel like, like I, I feel like it. I got this. I got yeah, I'm this. Just gonna, I'm got just going to wing it. Yeah. Okay. Let's not, please, let's not uh, brush by the fact that he literally said that the Native American community in the Atlanta area is fully on board with the Atlanta thing, including the chop. Mm -hmm. Literally use the words. Now, maybe I missed the story. Did you see a story about Native American communities in, in the Atlanta area saying that they were super cool with the chop? I don't think I've seen that story, no. I also like that he says... I am 100% certain <laughs> that the Braves understand what the Native American community in their area believes and they have acted. Yeah. I'm 100% certain. 100%. It is a, a metaphysical certitude that, that the Braves understand all opinions of uh, all Native yes. Americans in their area. Right, right, because, because one... All Native Americans think alike, right? right? I mean, look, that's a, that's a given. That's a given. There is no difference at all in theory. No, thought. there are five hundred, more than five hundred federally recognized Native American <laughs> tribes on this issue. One hundred percent buy-in. They are one hundred percent fine with it. But also, even if it is true that certain Native American communities in and around the right. Atlanta area are, right. are are, let's call it cool. With, which, with the, which, by the way, it is not true. I don't believe I don't, it is true. I don't but, think but it is let's assume, But let's assume, let's, let's assume, give Rob yes, Manfred the, yes. the, he's 100% certain. <laughs> so let's give him the benefit of the doubt. That is also irrelevant when, of he, it is. when you're talking about the, it's something that is prima facie offensive. Because yes. that it, it, he's only talking about the Native American tribes in the Atlanta area. This right. game isn't only broadcast in the Atlanta area. It's, it's not? No, it's not, Joe. The no, World I heard it was 30. No, the World 30s. Series is nationwide, baby. And, <laughs> what? And yeah, it's wild. And the and it's so crazy to, to see. It's like we've been through this now so many times, right? We went through this with the Washington football team. We've been right. through this with the Cleveland baseball team. We've been through this with the St. John's Red Storm. We've been right. through this with so many different organizations in so many yes. different sports. It follows the same exact path. It starts yeah. with, hey, this is tradition. It's the way it's always been done. You know, there's a lot of value in this tradition. And then it gets into, well, we've talked to 
uh, four different individual Native Americans, and they all seem cool with it. And then it, and it just boom, 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 right down the line. Yes. And where it ends is the team changes its name. Of course. That's where this ends. So you can do it now, or you can do it 30 years from now, after 30 years of miserable, awful, yes. dragging yes. this issue through the, through the mud and dirt and fending off and conducting surveys and doing studies and issuing reports and asking around and giving interviews. At some point, your team is going to change its name. And right. so I, what I truly don't understand is why you don't skip the 30 years of misery and yes. get to the point where you say, you know what? A team of baseball players with a tomahawk emblazoned on their shirts and a crowd chant that is obviously miserably offensive. Yes. <laughs> Instead of just clinging to this with a death grip of like, no, we have to keep... And by, by the way, as is always the case, <laughs> this team moved to its current city, not... Not 300 years ago, but in the 1950s. It's not like it's an ancient tradition. This isn't, oh, no. this isn't Catholicism. This is a sports franchise that moved <laughs> to this city fairly recently. And side note, with this particular franchise, they felt like they there were too many black people going to their games. And so <laughs> they literally stole away from the city of Atlanta in the middle of the night built a stadium in a super white suburb by jamming a stadium down the throats of its taxpayers in the middle of the night without even holding a vote where people could come and complain just because they were like, you know what? We need the audience. To, we need the crowd to be a little whiter. It's it's a, it, we need we just want more white people to be able to come. So you're already on such thin ice. You're just yeah, you on really such are. thin ice. And and it was like, no, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to dig in our heels. We're going to drag this out. We're going we're gonna to make it as painful as possible for as many people as possible over as long a time as possible before we reach the inevitable conclusion that the name is offensive, the mascot is offensive, the chop is offensive, and we're going to change it all. And so well, uh, maybe we'll be around to see it. Maybe we won't. <clears throat> maybe it'll be 2069 or 2083, but it's going to happen. And why do you not just get ahead of it and do it instead of well, that's, dragging well, it? Well, and there's, there's one other thing I want to add about that specifically, but... Let me also throw in, because it was the 60s when this team came from Milwaukee, where the name was not created either, because it was created in Boston Correct. back in 1912, when it was named after the guy who was like an alderman at Tammany Hall, the corrupt political machine. Right. So so the name- A wonderful you know, people, legacy. <laughs> I was going to say, people like, well, it wasn't really named after Native Americans. Like, no, it was named after a corrupt alderman <laughs> um, for Tammany Hall, who used brain which was directly named for, for Native Americans. Mm -hmm. um, and then it goes to this, but even more than that, the chop. I want to talk about the chop for a second. Let's do it. That is the most, forget forget how racist it is, forget however you feel about it or you want to do it. It's the most derivative thing ever, mm -hmm. okay? It is not their thing. Nope. It is the Florida State thing, Correct. right? And Florida State, for all of the issues that I would have with Florida State doing the chop, they really have engaged the Native American community in their in their area. Yeah. They have absolutely, I mean, they I'm not saying they have permission because it still feels offensive to me or whatever, but they have truly engaged and done a lot of good for the Native American community in their in their in Tallahassee and around Tallahassee. 
The Braves have done none of that. First of all, they haven't done. And and secondly, it's totally derivative. It only goes back to like the early 90s when they had Deion Sanders on the team. Like literally there's no history. No. There's none. No. It's just a bunch of people who think it's really funny to do like this stupid war whoop. But the biggest issue I have, and I wrote about this on, on my uh, Substack. No team in baseball has a better name sitting there waiting for them. Yes, no. So this, I was gonna, I was gonna prompt baseball. you for this. This is, yes. this is maybe of all the ideas you've ever had. This is your best idea. I'm gonna say it. <laughs> I don't understand how you don't call this team the Atlanta Hammers after Hank Aaron. I don't, and like, I don't understand how that hasn't happened. I don't like. I I wrote the whole piece about this at no point because I had people like, oh, you're just you're you're one of these woke, you know idiots who who's like politically correct and i'm like there's not a single word in there about the braves being a racist name or about the tomahawk or about the chop dude it's so obvious they should be called the hammers after henry aaron yeah. it's, it doesn't I, it's mind-blowing to me that they haven't done that yet okay so a couple things about this first of all the atlanta hammers is a way better name than the atlanta braves. way better the atlanta way hammers better. rules that name is amazing <laughs> It honors the greatest uh, player in the history of their franchise and one of the, call it, 10 best players in the history of the game. I'm going to say number four okay. all time. You're j- just off the top of your head? <laughs> off the top of my head, I'm going to say he was the fourth greatest it's not, player It's not like time. you n- made a list of these. Of, like, I didn't make a players. list of this. No. I'm not saying there's a baseball 100 available at all stores <laughs> near you. I'm just saying he's number four all time. That's all okay, I'm saying. Okay, so great name. Honoring one of the great players of all time. Great players and great people. And great one people. One of the people who made yep. a big difference in Atlanta. A guy sure. a guy so classy that when Barry Bonds broke his home run record by cheating like no one has ever cheated before, <laughs> he just recorded a message that said, hey, congratulations. This congratulations. is great. Blah, 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 yep. blah. Like didn't didn't lean in. Pure class. Didn't do Pure what Barry class. Bonds will do when someone breaks his record, <laughs> which is flip two middle fingers and lose his mind. Also, the current... Uh, icon emblazoned on the front of the uniforms is a tomahawk. Yes. Do you know how easy it is to replace a tomahawk <laughs> with an awesome looking hammer? It oh nothing gosh. would change. It literally nothing. would just be nothing. It would be an awesome switch out that that is even more seamless than any other uh, mascot yeah, change or, or or logo change ever. Right. And hammers is like. It not only not only does it honor Hank Aaron, not only is it an easy switch out. Imagine how awesome it would be if you had a great hitting lineup and you played for the Hammers. It's like <laughs> it just is like it fills you with like bloodlust and joy pure and like joy. Just yes, pure baseball prowess would be so great. Like it it is so. He, so my thing is this: I think that as it, that the every league should institute a rule that every team's nickname comes up for review every right. 20 years. Agreed. And, and totally just agree. make it make it a matter of, like this is one of the, the requirements for owning a franchise is every 20 years, you have to do a full review in good yep. faith to see if you want your nickname to stay the same. Now, if you're the New York Yankees, you don't change anything. You do right. the review. You think like, is there any reason to do this? No, of course not. We stay the same. Yep. Same with the Red Sox, same with the White Sox, same with the Cubs, whatever. But right. if you're the Atlanta Braves, 20 years goes by, you do the review, you change your name. And yeah. because every team is going through this, 
team nickname changes become de rigueur. They become a yes. thing that happens. And it's like, yes. and if and maybe, and by the way, if you're the Charlotte Bobcats or whatever, or the Charlotte <laughs> Hornets, or, yep. or by the way, the New Orleans uh, Saints or right. whatever, or, or the, uh, the Utah Jazz, like you might think, you know what? We have a better name now. Something has yeah. happened in our city, right? Like something, so the, the world has changed. The city's taken on a different dimension. Someone pitches a better name. You change your name. And then because it becomes standard, because every five years, one or two sports franchises are just, hey, we're going to, we have this cool idea. We're going to update our name. And it, by the way, you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? Or that you have a legacy of misery and incompetence. So 20 years goes by, you're like, you know what? We need a name change. We're not going to be the Jaguars yes. anymore. We're going to be the the Arrows or we're going to be the, the the Cougars or whatever. Just like to just to try to reboot, just to yes. start over. If you did that, these kinds of arguments would disappear because it would just right. be like, hey, look, every every decade, two or three or four or five sports franchises in the major sports change their names. It's no big deal. And and you awesome. under cover of night with a with a with a reasonable sort of defense of why you're doing it, you just kind of switch it out and everyone's like, oh cool, I get to buy new jerseys now. Exactly. It's all this new merch. That's the part that really blows my mind is that this is such an opportunity yeah. because everybody's gonna want to get the new merch. And it's like a way to mark the time. You're like Oh, you know, so when when were they the Jaguars? Oh, they were the Jaguars up to whatever. And now they're the, you know, they're the Jacksonville Mendozas. And, and you know, now we're going to just basically, <laughs> which is what they should be, by the way. Yeah, and then, agree. you know, and then and then we'll and then we'll go from there. I, I just it's so it's so mind blowing to me because exactly what you said about they're going to change the name yeah. and they're going to stop doing the chop at some point. At some point, and by the way, the last thing I'll say about the hammers is, how great would it be if you were rallying and then they play a little bit of that music and everybody in the crowd yells, stop, hammer time. That's a <laughs> billion times better than the chop. A, literally, there's no limit for how much better that is than the chop. Yeah, and you write a new cool song, you can still do the chopping motion. If you yeah. want to, right? You can still do it because now you're just hammering. Now you're now, ham you're, now you're hammering the other team. Exactly. You're Bob the Builder. Yeah. You're Bob the Builder there I, doing the hammering. It is that we should do at some point, oh, not today, but we should do a draft, which is top five best nick potential nickname changes for sports <laughs> franchises. Oh, I love this. Hammers yeah. is number one, but there's, Hammers is there's, number one there's gonna the, be a ton of them and and the and every time I just I'm so furious at them and Manfred because every time you go through this it's like it just is like we're really going to go through all thirty of these stages again of this in, of this miserable I process. Understand. I don't understand why you're Rob Manfred. Why you don't say, look, it's under review. It's something we're talking about. You know, I, we know that that there are people that are offended by it, and we've got to. You know, we're it's gonna, a balancing we're act. It's like there's tradition right. on one hand and there's, there's sensitivity exactly. on the other hand. And it's and you know what? And, and, and it's something that is that we are going to constantly have under review. We're excited about this World Series and blah, blah, blah. Literally, right? all you have to say is we're looking into it. And then yeah. and then you if you want to filibuster for 15 more years, you can. <laughs> but like, just don't try to tell me that you don't market your sport nationally, which is a really <laughs> dumb thing to admit to. And and don't try to tell me that it's not offensive. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like I it I 
I, it, it you can't make that claim. Like you, the, no. you know, what's not offensive? The Chicago White Sox. That's yes. not offensive. <laughs> the Detroit Lions is not offensive. Like the C- Seattle SuperSonics was not offensive. <laughs> not offensive. The Oklahoma yeah. City Thunder are not offensive. Like yeah. you can't claim that no one is offended by this. It's bananas. It's 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 ridiculous. You know, you ought to do a book about like how oh, people can be good. That's a good idea. Don't you think? Don't you think? I think you, I, when I listen to you, I I hear you know so much good morality. Do you know what you? I'll tell you I, what I'll do because it's. I okay. think that's a good idea. I'm gonna real quick write that book and I'm gonna release okay. it on January 25th uh, through Simon and Schuster. Oh my gosh! How are you gonna do it that fast? I I, I write pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll get it done. <laughs> like book it, book it right now, January 25th. I'm gonna call it how January to. 25th. I'm gonna call it how to be perfect. And it's going to deal with this issue along with a lot of other issues about how we can all try to be better people on Earth. Wow! And, uh, it'll be released through Simon and Schuster. Through Simon and Schuster. Yeah, you're, you're just you're just counting. I just on have them a feeling that they're book. the right company to release the book, uh, and all the proceeds will go to charity. That's a little bit. I'm oh. deciding right now. All the proceeds of the book will go to charity. That's it's amazing. Look at that. What a scoop people on our <laughs> podcast are getting. What a scoop this is. By the way, just to, as a refresher for those of you who may be new to the podcast, this is also a charitable endeavor, uh, yes. l- like the book I'm releasing on January 25th. But in uh, our first uh, charity is the New York League's Baseball Museum in Kansas City. And uh, so all of the money that we make from this, at least this, we're doing it month by month. We think we're, we're doing, doing it month by month. Month by yeah, month. So, so, so this first month is going to be uh, for the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in Kansas City. Bob Kendrick was on our podcast uh, last week, and uh, it's a great place. It's a great place. And look, we would love. I don't know that we're going to be able to get it up in time for us to have like a little something on on a, our page or whatever. But uh, you could go to Negro Leagues Baseball Museum nlbm.com, uh, and uh, and donate, become a member. Uh, there's all sorts of cool things that come with that. Uh, it's they have great it's merch in their place. store too. They have awesome merch. I bought it. I recently bought a Josh Gibson Gray's T-shirt that rules. Oh, it's a great rules, shirt. Right? I bought and I bought my son a an amazing baby blue a Jackie Robinson jersey that is oh. super cool. Um, they have great merch in their store. The museum itself is wonderful. So go to uh, go to their website and and uh, if you can yep. spare five N- or ten bucks, NLB- chip in. Yeah, nlbm.com is is their website. All right, so so what what are we going to see with the rest of this World Series? Like what like I mean the thing is like these both these teams are super flawed. You know, I mean they're both have great that 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 Astros lineup is like as good as it gets. Yeah. I mean, especially one to eight. I mean, they don't, they do hit Martin Maldonado ninth, although he's actually hit a little bit in these uh in the World Series. Um but one to eight, it's just Tough out, tough out, tough out. Every single out, they they wear you down. They're really good, but their pitching staff's kind of a mess. I mean, really, yeah. if you look at it. Yeah. And then and then Atlanta, you know, I I think was going was in pretty good shape, and they lost their best starter because he in the third inning. What a bummer that is! Third inning of the World Series, he has a ball go off his leg and he breaks a bone. And unlike uh, Baker Mayfield, he realizes if the word break is in there you don't you don't play anymore yeah that's the end of that yeah and yeah so that's a bummer but but i don't know i mean look i the braves that braves middle of the lineup is really really good and i don't know i don't i don't have a great feeling for what's going to happen in this series i don't either i i i go with if you're going with your gut what you say is the single best unit 
of either of the teams is the Astros offense, right? Yes, if if you're saying offense is defenses thing. and and you know relief pitching or whatever or right. pitching, like the best unit is the Astros offense. So I you if I were a betting man, I think I would have to yeah. still bet on the Astros, especially because Altuve seems to have kind of broken out of his weird yes. slump and he's matching the ball now and like they have the batting champion hitting seventh, like literally the AL batting champion hits seventh for them. So I, I was, I sort of came into the series thinking that the Braves might be the like the Washington Nationals right. of this year, where they're kind of like crummy. They're under five hundred at the All Star break. They turn it on at the right time. They steamroll everybody, and they and they win the World Series. That might obviously still happen. That's entirely possible that that's sure still going to happen. But losing Charlie Morton, man, that it, it hurts. that hurts. Like that guy, not not only is he their best, probably their best starter, but he in the postseason has, is a hero. I don't, it's hard to imagine their starting pitching holding up. Like I, I think you got to, if you're betting, I think you got to bet on the Astros at this point. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't even know who I'm rooting for or why I'm really, I'm really lost here, man. I don't, I don't yeah. have a strong feeling about this one That's or the a other. a bit of a negative part of this thing. I just did a, I just kind of scanned, you know, people that I'm rooting for in this, in this thing. And I'm rooting for Dusty. You know, I've, I've said that on here before. Yep. I'm definitely rooting for Dusty Baker. Uh, I think it, it clinches his hall of fame, which I think he's going to, go in anyway you you just will not find a, a more I mean you look at a career of Dusty Baker he was a fantastic player for 20 years a player who was everywhere right like he was in the on deck circle when Hank Aaron hit his uh record-breaking home run for the Atlanta he, Hammers for the, for the Atlanta Hammers he kind of invented the high five I mean like like he he was there at the birth of the high five uh, you know, and then of course, all of the other super cool things is, you know, when he was with the Giants manager is his son having to be saved, you know, during the game. Uh, I mean, he's just kind of been everywhere. He was obviously on the wrong side of the Bartman thing. He was, you know, uh, no, I guess he wasn't the Bartman one. He was the, uh, he was the, uh, Carrie Wood. Yeah. Uh, he was the uh, Carrie Wood. Uh, it was game. Pinella was, was Pinella the, the Bartman? Wait, he was the, uh, he was the, well, maybe he was, I can't remember if it was him or. Pinello. I can't remember the, now. Uh, he he was he was the manager of all of the Giants teams that that had bonds. All the and, Giants and, teams, right? And his his poor son almost got flattened at home plate. Yeah, which was amazing. <laughs> which was so scary. So amazing because scary, but amazing because he was saved. I mean, it was, was J T. Like, you know, Snow who saved him, right? I think. Yeah, I think it was J T. Snow. Very good. Yeah. yeah, that was that was good. I'm looking this up now. I, I should know that off the top of my head. Oh, they did. They finished first in 2003. Was 2003 the, the Yes, Bartman that was game? 2003, yeah. Yeah, he was Bartman manager. I knew that he was like, he was like at every, like every catastrophe of the last whatever. Yeah. Um, but he's just a great guy and he's a great storyteller. And I, I, I'll argue with people and I understand when they say he's not a particularly good game manager. I don't necessarily disagree with that. Uh, I don't think he's tactically... You know, I mean, they're not, I don't think there are that many good tactical managers, to be perfectly honest, but he's so good at motivating everywhere he goes, they win. I just think he's a terrific manager. I think the Nationals made a terrible mistake getting rid of him. He came into a Houston situation that was a complete mess and brought this level of class to it. So I'm rooting for him. But at the same time, with Atlanta, like, 
how could you not like Freddie Freeman? Like, how could you not like Ozzy Albies? I mean, there there's guys to, there's guys to root for, right? There's yeah. individuals yeah. to root for. You can I I I'm weirdly rooting for Acuna to win a ring just because I love Acuna. Yeah. Like I yeah. Ozzy Albies, Freddie Freeman, sure, Dusty Baker, sure. Like I I root in some weird way for Jordan Alvarez because I I like the fact that someone can be that big, and <laughs> like I just like I'm happy that there's a person that big on earth he is he's, he's the big i think he's the biggest person i've ever seen i think he's somehow bigger than people who are taller than him and way more than him and i don't know how that's possible even if andre the giant was taller than him and weighed more than him he's bigger than andre the giant like i so there there are certainly you know what? he's got a beautiful swing by the way he's, he's amazing like really beautiful like ken griffey like beautiful swing. there's guys i mean he single-handedly destroyed the red sox he hit every pitch that was pitched to him exactly oh the way gosh. he should have hit it like he went to left he went to right he hit home runs he hit triples he hit doubles like I, I there, there's there's individuals you can root for, and I think that at the end of the day, you're gonna have to like kind of be happy for those individuals rather than happy yeah. for the team or the franchise. But right. um, I don't know, man. I I I'm gonna stick with my call that the Astros win because I think their offense is the best unit. But it really does feel like a coin flip. It feels like maybe we'll get lucky and get a seventh game out of this and have an exciting yeah. seventh game. Like I feel like that's possible. Well, and that's. That's really, I mean, if the whole series could be mediocre and then we have a great seventh game and it's a great series. Like that's how yeah. that tends to, and by, by the way, the exact opposite is true. Right. I don't think, you and I talked about this, that Dodgers-Astros series for six games was as good a series as has ever been played. And then seventh game was just kind of lousy yeah. and it was like, uh, the whole series didn't feel right after yep. that. And and who, who pitched game seven for the Astros that year? Charlie Morton. <laughs> Charlie Morton, yeah, because he because he's there. I and Charlie Morton just seems like an awesome guy. By the way, yeah, I mean, again, like it, 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 the bummer of losing him is is you also lose one more guy to root for. Like, it's fun to watch yeah. that guy pitch in the yeah. postseason. That guy, you know, what's so crazy is like you think of him as like a guy who gets hitters out with a curve and with kind of like crafty pitching. He throws like ninety seven, like all at, at thirty seven years old. You're right. I don't understand. <laughs> I do not understand how this has happened in baseball that everyone, regardless of age or size or anything else. Like he throws as hard as Billy Wagner threw, basically, it's, and like at, it's at thirty-seven, so, it's bizarre, man. It's so it's crazy. One last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. We talk about sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, no diet coke for Joe. The podcast. All right. I guess it's time for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. And uh, I'll start this time because my my one last meaningless thing is more. It's like a question. It's a question to you. Okay. And here is here is the question. Um. How? What percentage of the time do you hear somebody say something to the effect of, "Oh, you could, you couldn't, you couldn't make it up"? Like they'll tell you a story and they'll say you couldn't make it up. What percentage of the time do you think to yourself, 
Oh, yeah, I could have made that up. I totally could have made that 100% up. 100% of the time. 100% of the time. So this is what happens. Tom Schieber, our dear friend over at the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, put out a very fun little tweet the other day about that the first guy who got a patent for uh, like a bat weight, so I guess like a donut mm-hmm. of, some, of some kind, um, was like in 1912 or something, and his name, remarkably, was Dinger. Like that was his last name, right, Dinger. Right. And and he Tom said, you know, how cool that is that you know the guy's name was Dinger. Obviously, that's what the home run is and all that. And then he wrote at the end, you couldn't make it up. And I thought that's be the easiest thing in the world to make up. Right. Like nothing would be easier than saying, ah, what what should I name the guy that invented the bat weight? Oh yeah, Dinger. Steve Dinger. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I have not yet come across one that I don't think I could have made up. So uh I used to write on the show The Office and BJ Novak was also a writer on The Office. Uh, he also played Ryan the Temp and he had this stand-up bit that I always loved because he was a stand-up. And I'm I'm gonna botch it entirely. I apologize to him and everyone who he, likes him. He'll never hear this. But uh, it, it was basically his. He was the bit was basically saying like people say truth is stranger than fiction, but that's not true. Like fiction is much stranger <laughs> than truth. And he would do this thing where he would go like you know, you know oh uh, you know Kennedy had a secretary named Lincoln and Lincoln <laughs> had a secretary named Kennedy. And that's like the truth. And he'd be like, all right, here's the fiction. Like Kennedy had five heads. Like that's stranger <laughs> than having, you know what I mean? Like, and, and so I, I yes, yeah, every time someone says truth is stranger than fiction, that's not accurate. Anytime someone says no. you can't make it up, that's not accurate. It's a, it's a, it's like, instead of saying that you, you maybe you should just say like, Hey, here's a cool fact. Here's an, right. or here's an interesting <laughs> here's, thing. Here's something, here's something mildly surprising because it's real and not fiction. Yeah. Like that to me is like, basically it's like, it's what you're saying is like you, if you were making this up, you, this is what you would do, but it's actually true, yeah. which is what makes it kind of cool. Like you would think, oh yeah, I, I would name that guy Dinger, but yeah. you know what? His name actually is Dinger. Yeah. How cool is that? Like, right? they, like, like that's. If it would be more interesting if his name were like, you know, uh, Bocephius Von Baseball Bat Donut or something. Like that would be like you can't make it up. You can't make yeah. it up. Exactly. Yeah. I was gonna say there must be something out there that is true that you couldn't make up. I mean, like there there probably is. I just don't know that I ever hear. Yeah. It. I, I your point is well taken though. Like if when you hear that statement, it's usually more what the person is actually saying is like here's an interesting kind of amusing tidbit of history. Like that's all that it means. <laughs> Um, all right, so my one last meeting in this thing is involved. I may have talked about this before. I apologize. We've been doing this podcast for thirty-eight years now, and so thirty-eight years. So, sometimes now. this today. Today is the thirtieth anniversary. Yeah, thirty-eighth anniversary uh, today. So I, I have tried very hard in my life to get my kids interested in the books and music that I'm interested in, as every parent sure. is. And I tried so hard with the Beatles. Like I tried so 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 hard when they were really young. I would play like the fun, like Octopus's Garden or whatever, like the songs right. that they have. That some right. of their songs are straight up kids songs and. I would play those and and it sort of worked for a little while and like my daughter liked um a couple of their songs she liked paperback writer and she liked my my son liked uh fixing a hole for some reason on sergeant pepper (laughs) i don't know why he liked that song 
So, uh, but it never took, it never just didn't work. Like my, my daughter likes, you know, contemporary music and my son likes contemporary right. music and whatever. Right. And so recently I was thinking about this fact and, um, it's, uh, it's almost 2022. And that means that we're coming up on the 60th anniversary of the Beatles landing in New York, which a lot of people That's right. tag as like the, the beginning of the real like British invasion, right? It's almost, it's been almost 60 years, right? And so yeah. I was like, okay, well, I grew up in the 1980s. So go and got into the Beatles when I was, I think, six or seven years old. So call it 1981, 82. So my kids being interested in the Beatles would be the equivalent of me having been interested in music <laughs> from the early 1920s. Like That's the right. jitterbug and like big band music and stuff. Like I didn't like that music. What? No, what no. in the world? I, although I always saw you as a Jolson. I always thought. <laughs> yeah, count, but I I'm always, a Count Basie looked. guy. Uh, but so and when I it made me feel better to think like to think that like because I, I felt like a failure. I felt like oh I can't get my kids to listen to Led Zeppelin or or the Rolling Stones or whatever. Right. And, or Jimi Hendrix. Like I, I was obsessed with Jimi Hendrix my whole childhood. I, I listened. Sure. I would go to my room and put headphones on and listen to all of Axis Bold as Love like on repeat. And I've, right. I've felt like a failure in not passing that on to my children. And then when I framed it in geological time, it became a <laughs> lot more explicable because I sure didn't have any interest in the music of the early 1920s when I was a child, you know? But do you not feel like our generation, I mean, I'm a, I'm older than you are, but the generation between mine and yours, like ours is the first generation that gave any damn whatsoever about the music that came before us. Like, yeah. I mean, Jimi Hendrix is well before your time. I mean, yeah. that's 10 years before he died, 10 years before you yeah. ever heard him, right? Yeah. Um, and, and Led Zeppelin is before, I mean, Led Zeppelin never dies cause they're still out there doing whatever they're doing. But I mean, it's, it's, uh, no, it's true. Led Zeppelin is it, yeah, it's well before you're totally time, true. You know? But also when we were growing up, there was just less music that was interesting that you had to learn about. Like when we were, when I was growing up, you had, I was basically interested in, I was growing up in the 1980s and I had to learn about music essentially between like 1963 and the present. Right. Right. But now if you're a kid now, you've got to learn about the classic rock era of 1963 right. to 1970, whatever. You've got to learn right. about like disco and like the right. and like the Velvet Underground. Then you have to yep. learn about all the 80s music. Then you have to learn about like the Nirvana right. Pearl Jam era. Then you have to learn right. about like 90s hip hop and 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 alt indie rock and like Beck and like all that kind of stuff. <laughs> then you have yep. to learn about the 2000s and and what that seemed like. There's just there's no way you're gonna like we did all of the music before the Beatles. I could just ignore. I didn't care about Elvis. I cared. I like <laughs> I would listen to like Buddy but, Holly occasionally or something. But like, but you didn't. You didn't I, care about Elvis. But Elvis was every bit as big. Right. Like like you were not like. See, like I grew up when I grew up, my parents were uninterested in the Beatles and the, and the whole, you know, uh, classic rock. So I literally did grow up with Elvis and Connie Francis and, 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 uh, uh, you know, the man who shot Liberty Valance and, and like, like that's the stuff that was playing in my house. Tom Jones, that was the stuff that was playing in my house. And of course I didn't like it. Right. Uh, and I moved on to my own thing, which tended to be eighties type stuff. Um, but you're right. I mean, it is, it's just funny. Our generation and the generation before us sort of felt like, oh, music is something to be passed on. When I think before that, it was always 
whatever's new, you ignore yeah. everything that's happened before you. Well, so much and, stuff hadn't been done yet. Rock hadn't been done until 1963, and like, right. and then like indie rock hadn't been done until the 70s, basically. Right, and, and that was super underground, and and hip hop hadn't been done until the 80s. So like yeah, 80s and 90s. Yeah. So yeah, now, definitely. so now you just if you if you're interested in what came before you. You're just you're swamped with stuff. Like it would take a and it would take a four year college level education to study all of the music that matters be- between right. 1963 and today. And what's better? That's what's so great is that kids now could just go to TikTok, get the next yeah. latest dance, and they're done. Yeah, and they're done. I mean, I'm with, when I'm with my daughter, my younger daughter, who's 16 now. When I'm with her, and we're watching like a Browns game or something that Burger King commercial will come on and she's like, oh, this is a big hit, uh, big yeah. TikTok thing, yeah. right? Or or like that one, I guess, uh, is it, it's not Chili's, it's um, um, Applebee's. Like Applebee's, there's an Applebee song yeah, on, that, on yeah, TikTok yeah. that's like a big, big thing. So it's like, that's, and she does, it's interesting though, she has found old music. Hmm. Like, but it's, but it's not, it's really sporadic. Like she loves Elton John. Like she found young Elton John. Okay. She found young. Um, she likes some Beatles. She does. She like picked out certain Beatles songs. When I was when they were little, little, I used to sing uh, "Here Comes the Sun" to them to like help them go to sleep. Like that was the lullaby I would sing. So like they kind of loved that, and and they they found. And my older daughter really got into, you know what. For her is ancient music, Springsteen and, and <laughs> yeah, it's and, fifty uh, years old. R.E.M. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say like that stuff couldn't be, you know, that stuff's really old now. Um, but it is interesting. I don't know whatever made us think that we could like have the young kids like our music, like yeah. like that. That came along much later. Seems like I a lost than, cause at this than, point. Yeah, like the R.E.M. Oh, album yeah, not- Green is like forty two years old. Like <laughs> I don't think that my kids are gonna get into Green. <laughs> Every so often, there's somebody, a couple of people on the internet who do this thing like, we are closer, like right now, we are closer to uh, the the day, like we are further away today from the debut of uh, of uh, Back to the Future than Back to the Future was to the 1954, right, whatever, right, you right, know? Yeah. like stuff like that. And that just depresses Oh, it's always, me. it's the worst. It's just like, it's every time I read one of those things i'm always like well i'm closer to death now like i'm just now i'm i'm just this is like i accelerated the 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 pace at which i will deteriorate and die just by reading oh, that. That's a, but we're not as old as tony LaRusso. there you go that's all i'm good that's it that's it's something to take with us <laughs> all right mike as always thank you bad job white Sox. Pause cast. 